For Nacho, it's insurance. We cannot beat Satan's cavemen. You have not been baptized, right? <laughs> but humor aside, baptism is not insurance. Baptism is not repentance. It's not washing off original sin, but it absolutely is a declaration of intention. It is the culmination of something. It can't happen in a dirty Mexican bathroom so that you can beat Satan's cavemen in the ring. <laughs> I know my Latin accent is terrible, Irvin, but I just, I, I learned it from Nacho Libre, so I, <laughs> I try it. So this last week, if you'll recall, we, we looked at a, we opened with a, or closed with a text that I said, and taught you is called the instruction of the master through 12 apostles to the Gentiles. I'm not going to say it in Greek again because that was bad. It's shortened to the Didache. The Didache, which means the teaching, the instruction. So who's, who is familiar with the Didache? Okay, so some people. Not very many, and that puts you very much in the norm. Okay, there's, there's a reason which we'll look at. What is it? Well, this is the best way to get familiar with the Didache, actually. This is a book by uh, colleague Toby Janicki, First Roots of Zion. It's very thick. The Didache is about this thick. This is a Messianic Jewish commentary on the Didache, including the original translation and everything that is in here. This is a must-have book, The Way of Life. I'm going to reference it a little bit today. But here is the super condensed version of what the Didache is. In essence, as, it, as the title might suggest, it is instruction manual for Gentiles who are entering the world of Judaism. First question. They didn't do that, did they? Why in the world would they be doing that? Entering the world of Judaism, what? Well, because that's the way it worked. And we all know that, right? Every single disciple was Jewish. There are arguments, very, very strong arguments, that though Luke may be presented as a Gentile, that Luke is not a Gentile. He's the famous Gentile in the New Testament. But there's very, as equally as much chance that he's not, which would mean everybody's Jewish. So you entered into a Jewish faith, which is why the Didache was an instruction manual for Gentiles who were far off from Judaism to come into it and have some instructions about Yeshua, the, the Jewish ideas and practice and theology. The Didache was very, very highly regarded. Evidence shows we have Clement of Alexandria, second century. His opinion even suggests that many people saw the Didache as Scripture, like it was that important. Eusebius quotes the Didache. Origen, Eusebius says that some people thought it was Scripture, some people didn't, but nevertheless, he referenced it and talked about it. And then all of a sudden, it's gone. That's strange, isn't it? Why? Toby Janicki's theory, and, and many, many others, 
is that it fell out of use because now a fully developed Christianity had absolutely no use for the Jewish side of the faith. And that actually makes pretty good sense. I mean, no longer had use for a document that was dedicated to introducing Messianic Gentiles into a world of Jewish monotheism, Torah, life, all that kind of stuff. So in essence, the councils, as the Didache disappears, it's because the councils were rising to prominence. They got their stuff in order and they, they purged them Jewish demons. So there was nothing left. Well, how then did we get it? And this story I love. In 1873, there was an archbishop named Philotheus Briennios. He stumbled across this ancient collection of manuscripts in a library in Istanbul or somewhere. Yeah, Istanbul. And in one of those books was a text of the Didache. Totally found it by chance. Right, everything. By chance, yeah, okay. Why was the Didache? I already gave you this sort of overview, but, but, but why was it? Well, it was because it was needed. The Didache was the natural outgrowth of the Jerusalem Council's uh, rulings regarding Gentiles in Acts 15. Seems reasonable to suggest that Didache represents the teachings, traditions, legal decisions authored by the early heads of the Jerusalem assembly, such as James, the brother of Yeshua, and other very heavy hitters like Shimon or Simeon. It is basically a primer in ethical monotheism, informed by the teaching of Yeshua and ideas from the Torah. And it begins with these words. There are two ways... One of life and one of death. However, there is a great difference between the two ways. Okay? Now, the way of life is this. First, you shall love God who made you. Second, you shall love your fellow as yourself. Wow, that sounds familiar, right? Whatever you do not want to happen to you, do not do to another. This is the teaching about these matters. And then for six chapters, the Didache continues into teaching about everything I just said. Ethics, monotheism, the teachings of Yeshua, Messiah, all of these types of things are the words of Messiah. And then all of a sudden we arrive in chapter 7. Anyone know what chapter 7 is about in the Didache? Based on what we're talking about this week, what might you think it has to do with? Immersion. Concerning immersion, chapter 7 says, immerse in this way. Having first said all these things, immerse in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The text then continues in chapter 7, very brief, but with some very practical instructions about Messiah. Nothing nothing like super spiritual, nothing about a rebirth, nothing like that. How to do it. That's what it says. But I, I, I think it's important to note this very important consideration. Having first said all these things, this is chapter 7, what might all these things have been? Well, quite likely the previous six chapters of the Didache. 
Having said all these things, now you've arrived. So now you understand the words and teachings of Yeshua, living life as a disciple, understanding righteous living as defined by a Torah, understanding the rejection of polytheistic religions, understanding that, that living for God, basic halacha, walking out the word. And what did we say that was last week? Catechetical instruction for disciples of Yeshua. But not Christian catechism. Jewish catechism for how to live as disciples of Messiah. Have I, have I beaten that horse to death yet? We got it. Remember the heresies book that I quoted to you? I think it was last week. It said, the appeal of Protestant liberals to believe as Jesus believed rather than to believe in Jesus is a dramatic transformation to the fundamental nature of Christianity. In other words, what he's saying is, it only matters that you believe in him. Well, that's not at all what the Didache says. It says you need to believe like Yeshua believed, and here's what he believed. And these are the things where you're going to start this process. So what we can find now is this, and this this is why the Didache is very important. Because we see instructions about washings, which is our elementary principle, right? Repentance from dead works, faith toward God. We're on to the third one, instructions about washings. Now we can make a connection. Hebrews 6, instructions about washing, is a connection to having said these things, which is the Didache's instructions. We can likely refer... Two, this period of instruction that a disciple of, of Yeshua should undergo, that is, that is something that should be done before being baptized. It is not. Instructions about washings is not how you do it. It's not that you don't do it. Jews would never sign off for that. Instructions about washings. The new initiate needed to understand what they were signing up for. What this decision meant, what it meant to enter into the mikvah, to align yourself with a life devoted to Messiah. It's called counting the cost. Anyone remember that? Understand, baptism is not salvation, right? We've already, it's, it's, it's can be repentance, but for a disciple of Yeshua, based on the elementary principles, we already repented from dead works. We've already placed our faith in God. And now we're talking about a process into the mikvah, into baptism. And conversion, I'll use that word a little bit, conversion to Yeshua involved a positive movement toward Him. A positive decision to follow Yeshua involved a public act of identification with Him. Okay? When you made the decision to be immersed now, you assume the yoke of Messiah. And though it is easy and its burden is light... It is still a yoke. And what does a yoke do? A yoke corrects, a yoke keeps straight, a yoke keeps on the path. So you got to know the path if you're going to take on the yoke or you're going to be getting yoked a lot. Baptism, a practical and very, very real identity shift 
right? This is not unlike the process of conversion that we talked about to Judaism last week, where it talks about going into the mikvah as a Gentile and coming up different as a, as a, as a Jewish person. So here's a very, I didn't tell you this part about Jewish conversion last week, but sort of like the idea of counting the cost in Judaism, when someone goes to a rabbi and says, I'd like to convert, what's their answer? Yeah, come on in, let's do it. No, that's not their answer. Their answer is, are you crazy? What's the matter with you? Do you have any idea what it means? Do you know the persecution that are, do you know what, I mean, there's a rejection of the person. Why? Because they don't like them? Because they're wearing the wrong shoes? No, because they need to count the cost. They need to be genuine. They need to understand what this means. And then following that decision where the rabbi actually accepts you in for conversion, there's a year minimum, year of study that goes on before you enter the mikvah to convert. That is that study about monotheism, about halacha, about Torah, about all of these things. But for further evidence of what I'm saying, which is I'm connecting this idea of a preparation period, I want to I take you to a very, very Christian document that's called the Apostolic Constitutions. The Apostolic Constitutions is a four-century pseudo-apostolic collection. It's eight books. This is from the Catholic Encyclopedia. Eight books, independent, closely related. These are treatises on Christian discipline, worship, doctrine. Okay? This is what the Apostolic Constitutions say. These are pre-immersion instructions so that the new believer might hate every way of iniquity and walk in the truth. These are things you do according to a very 4th century Christian document that is draws some direct quotes from the Didache. We ask where the Didache go? It probably went to the apostolic constitutions but got completely Christianized. And, and some of these things, let him therefore who is to be taught the truth in regard to piety be instructed before his immersion in the knowledge of the unbegotten God, the understanding of his only begotten son and the insured, assured acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit. Let him learn the order of several parts of creation, the series of providence, the different dispensations of your laws. Let him be instructed why the world was made, why man was appointed. I mean, this thing goes on and on and on. Fourth century post council Christian document. So I am definitely not far off in suggesting that there was a real period of lifting up, training. But there's more. And this is where it gets really good. After some practical instructions about the baptism, which is this very simple chapter 7, in in 7.4, verse 4, it says, prior to the immersion, prior to the immersion, the one performing the immersion and the one being immersed should fast beforehand. And any others if they can, okay? Any others if they can. It is a, oh, sorry. Hang on one second. Prior to the immersion, the one performing the immersion, that's if I'm bringing Irvin as my disciple, he and I are going to fast together. And 
any others if they can. What does that mean? Oh my goodness. That means that if I say to the congregation, Irvin has expressed a desire to be baptized. We've gone through this, this, this study. We've, we've prepared him. This is when we're going to be baptized. Then all of you would, would be asked to join in that. That is pretty serious. Now, if they can, but require the one being immersed fast one or two days prior to the immersion. What's the big deal about that? This was, first off, let me just say, this is an incredibly personal experience. I told you this last week, but I'll reiterate it. You, I, didn't, I didn't bring Irvin in and ho- hold him in my arms in his white robe and lay him back gently and lift him Lift him up. First of all, Irvin was nude, so I probably was not close to him. <laughs> Secondly, he is personalizing this. This is just him and God. No clothing, no jewelry, nothing. Every part of his body enters the water and he immerses himself. But I, as the immersing witness, am a witness. I'm watching to make sure that it's that important that maybe all of you guys would fast, but at least me and Irvin would. It's me and Irvin, right? Not Irvin. It's Irvin and I would. Linda always corrects me on that because I get it wrong every time. And then he would do this. And something tells me that I, as his witness... As I, as his, his teacher, his instructor, I wouldn't just say, Shep, got it, you're done, I'm out of here, on to the next. It would be my obligation to continue the process of discipling Irvin. And we might begin now to understand why these these. They had prayed, studied, learned, bonded, and culminated in this day. And we might now understand why an elementary principle of Messiah is these instructions about washings. It's not throw them in the tank and fix it. It is serious business. Foundational, elementary, essential. It is, after all, a pretty serious thing to dedicate your life to the Messiah, right? Man, it really should be. It really should be. Remember, Yeshua's talking to these people and he comes into this very unpopular message. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who are watching it will begin to ridicule him, saying, this person began to build and was not able to finish. That's counting the cost. That's knowing what you're getting into. And Yeshua, the Messiah, says that to us. So you don't think they were telling the disciples that? Of course they were. That's elementary. And you needed to know that. And someone could now say to me, Rabbi, great presentation. Your information is totally off and you're totally messed up. There's a number of people who, who all were baptized immediately. The Ethiopian eunuch. What about Acts? What about these, these 3,000? What, what must we do to be saved, repent, and be baptized in the name? And 3,000, about 3,000 came to faith that day. Well, here's some really good stuff. You ready? 
for those objections. Not that any of you would ever have objections about anything I say. In each of these situations that I just mentioned, the Philippian jailer in Acts, the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, 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 Cornelius, the 3,000, in each of these situations, the baptizee was either Jewish or in all probability a God-fearer. What does that mean? Well, we know it from Cornelius because that title is attached to him. What does it mean? Why would, why would they be able to immediately enter into the process of baptism? Because Cornelius, he was a devout man who feared God, a.k.a. That is, they were at least familiar with monotheism, with Torah, with, with the idea of Judaism. They were familiar with these things. They didn't need a complete reorientation and reeducation. So you can see why. Now here's a really... Th- just, just a thing that you, commentaries are so valuable because sometimes they're so helpful in, in helping you see things. <clears throat> Janicki quotes this really amazing opinion. Who was baptism for? I mean, we're bringing up the Didache, the instruction to Gentiles, Right? Am I suggesting that Jews then didn't need to be baptized? Of course I'm not suggesting that. That's wrong. And and Jews were in the name of Messiah Yeshua. The Didache's immersion formulas, and of course Yeshua's great commission, they say, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Right? But did you know that that formula is completely absent from the baptisms found in Acts and the rest of the New Testament? That formula, instead what we find there is in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, in the name of the Master Yeshua, in Acts, in Romans, in Galatians. You don't find the Trinitarian formula for baptism. Why? What is this? Well, here... I'll tell you. One possible reason for the various immersion formulas is that they were used for different circumstances. Willie Rordoff suggests that the formula in the name of Yeshua is used for Jewish immersion into Messiah, whereas in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit was used when immersing Gentiles. Gentiles had to confess, first of all, the one God, the Father of Yeshua, in order to be baptized, non-Jews needed to be brought into monotheism, whereas Jewish people already adhered to this belief, needed only to be brought to who? Into Messiah. Baptized into Messiah. This also sheds light on why later in the Didache, in chapter 9, we find now the shorter formula. Two Gentiles, later in the book it says, in the name of the Lord, since Gentile disciples by that point in the Didache had already accepted the Lord as their father. And and here's a real compelling point. Justin Martyr, who was really no friend of Jews in many ways, Justin Martyr, in his conversation with Trypho, he sees this, that, that when martyr addressed himself to the Jews, he speaks of baptism in the name of Jesus alone. When he addresses himself to Gentiles, he uses the Trinitarian formula. Have you ever th- 
know, did you ever see that before? It's really interesting. It's really interesting. What can we derive? A conversion was taking place, Jew and Gentile. But something incredibly radical for Gentiles was taking place here, right? A conversion, not to Judaism. This was, this was not a Christian conversion, though. For Jews, it was this identity shift, the acceptance and admission that Yeshua was the Messiah, the promised one. And they absolutely became then his disciples and remained Jews. For Gentiles, a conversion of Ephesians to magnitude. You remember this from Chabad, I quoted it last week. Simply put, immersion in a mikvah signals a change in status. More correctly, an elevation in status. How about this elevation for the Gentile who comes out of the mikvah uh, confessing the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? This is Ephesians 2. This might be my favorite scripture for all of Messianic synagogues. I quote it all the time. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, Messiah, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Messiah Yeshua, you who were formerly, where were you far off? You've been brought near by the blood of Messiah, for he himself is our peace, who's made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. You want to talk about an elevation in status, my goodness. Baruch Hashem. It's a conversion. It's being born again. Not to become Jews. It doesn't have to be that. That's not the prophetic reality. The prophetic reality is Yeshua broke down the dividing wall. And Irvin and I become one in Messiah. And so we're born again. In a sense, it said Israel was baptized into Moses. We're baptized into Messiah Yeshua. But, but, but Gentiles, a whole new thing. And like the, look what he says now in the Great Commission. Yeshua's instruction to the Jews that he was teaching, therefore go and make disciples. Of who? Disciples of all nations. What are you going to do? You're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, introduce them to monotheism. The Son, introduce them to me. The Holy Spirit, introduce them to the seal that is upon them for participation in the coming kingdom, which they did not have. But because of what I have shown you, Jewish disciples, your task is to them. And a part of this, a part of this light to the nations for you is that you should bring them through this process. Do you understand why instructions about washings in Hebrews is not take a dip in the pool in your white robe and go eat some barbecue? It's monumental. It's foundational. It's elementary. And to conclude this, I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what I'm teaching here is not very popular in a, in a lot of circles. Joel Osteen would not like this. 
Andy Stanley would not like this at all. And they are not alone in not liking this idea of a counting the cost preparation period to become a disciple of the Messiah Yeshua. I'm not saying that you had to go through all of this to become a follower of, to, to make a declaration that said Yeshua is the Messiah. That's repentance from dead works, faith in God. We're on to the next level, guys. And, and here's an analogy that I hope I can pull off. When I went to LSU, I joined a, I, I pledged a fraternity. It was called Sigma Chi. And <clears throat> I brought home, this was the badge. This is just the absolute hilarity, if that's a word, of what happened here. First of all, the motto, the, the, the motto of, of Sigma Chi is in hoc signo winces. You know where that comes from? You know who said that? Constantine. So I am a Jewish kid showing up in Louisiana sucking crawfish heads and bring home to my dad a white cross with Constantine's motto on it and say, Dad, I want to be a part of this. And my dad's like, what have I done wrong, Hashem? I raised this good Jewish boy. But that was the badge of Sigma Chi, the white cross. I had absolutely no idea what God was doing there. Because here's the reason. I remember as a pledge, right, Well, first of all, to my dad, what did my dad see? My dad saw Christians. He saw a cross. I didn't see that at all. It was the furthest thing from my mind. What I saw is the Sigma Chi fraternity. It means something. These people are recognized. It It will mean something to me to accomplish this and for that to be a part of my identity. And so I pledged the fraternity, right? I wanted that badge. So I was willing to go through cleaning up after drunken parties and and living in roach-infested the house of the southern woods, it was called. House of the southern gargantuan roaches, it also could have been called, imagine. And we're cleaning it up and we're going through all this disgusting stuff for a semester. And then it comes down to the period that somewhere around, I think we're going to get initiated. And then what is it? Hell week. Right? Hell week. And it is hell. No showers. Or if you shower, it's January. You have 40 guys Four minutes in a shower this size to try to get, and you get like one shower. So you better get it. And not eating and doing all kinds of ridiculous and stupid stuff in Hell Week. Why? Because I wanted to wear that cross. It was worth it to me. I understood. I count the cost. I suffered for it because that was the identity I wanted to bear. Is it hard to see the parallel? (laughs) 
It just so happens that, yeah, a white cross, it works perfect for the story. I didn't make it up. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine a world where the instructions about washing that Hebrews tells us were so important that they never got lost? Can you imagine a world of committed disciples who counted the cost and that we, they had never lost the reality of the intensity of the process of what it meant to enter into the mikvah? Can you imagine that we had, that of, of learning, of fasting, of preparing for this monumental declaration, I bear or I bear the cross of Messiah. And I am making this public act of dedication before him and the world that he is my identity. You can read this all over Paul's words. He says, I count it all as loss, right? Because that's the identity I want. Can you imagine if that intensity was a part of becoming a disciple? That we boasted in Messiah. I have this new idea, identity. I understand it. I wear it with this pride in Messiah. Can you imagine a world where the instructions that preceded baptism included Shema, Shabbat, festivals, Torah, the beauty of the ways of Yeshua and the disciples. Imagine every disciple who was baptized understood the promises to Israel and the coming kingdom. Imagine that. And where baptism meant more than I have sealed my ticket to heaven. I've washed off the original sin. And this this sort of standard theology, baptism illustrates a believer's identification with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That's true. And so incredibly much more. That's why these are elementary. Because all of us should have known this. And it was taken from you. And in a strange way, it was taken from me too, just from the opposite side. You came in without any of this understanding. I came in with all of it, and it was taken from me because you don't need that anymore. You're Jewish. I mean, you're Christian now. No. We need these instructions about washings. We need strong discipleship. We need people counting the cost. So, this vibrant new identity as disciples of Messiah, sons and daughters of Abraham, participants in the promises of Israel, builders of the kingdom, representatives of the king, that is coming. And so, this, leaving the elementary teaching about the Messiah, let us press on to maturity, You get a better feel for what he means by maturity here. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God are instructions about washings. And after two weeks now, now you understand, and you did already, but now I've given you a little extra perspective on how important this elementary principle is. 
It's counting the cost, picking up your cross, taking on the yoke of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of Messiah, and the realization of the new identity we assume as his disciples. Citizens of heaven, preparers of the kingdom, our initiation and indeed, indeed, Constantine actually had it right for this part. In that sign, you will conquer. And your immersion is a testimony to your belief in that. Amen? Amen. Shabbat Shalom. We're building the kingdom and thankful that you're a part of that mission. If this teaching inspired you, please consider a financial gift to support the work of Shalom Macon. Visit MaconMessianic.com and click Give Online. May the Lord bless and keep you.